Okay. Surprise! I'm sure that when you um, got dressed for church this morning, I am probably the last person um, that you expected to see up here. But God is funny, and he has a sense of humor. We call him um, Jehovah Sneaky in my house. And I think that it's good that I'm here because it's a little shocking, and it'll wake you up today. Um, and I'm excited. I've done work with families for over a decade. I work with a lot of fathers. And so I think that it's more than appropriate and spiritually led that I am here today on Father's Day. So I don't know if Abdi knew this, but I'm a dangerous person with a microphone. And the reason why is because I know who I am, and I have a message for this world, um, and I love sharing it. And that message is that you are all more than you know. You are more loved than you know, and God is restoring your hearts and your lives each and every single day. And I truly believe that if we knew how loved we are, we'd be an unstoppable force. But it's knowing that and having that awareness in our lives um, that will lead us to transformation. And I don't know about you, I don't know if you watch the news or what your politics are or whether, you know, how involved you are, but this world needs reformation. We need restoration. Not just the world, we need it in our culture, we need it in our communities, and we need it in our families. But in order for transformation to really happen in our world, in our culture, in our community, it has to happen in the home, honestly. And it has to start with us, particularly as parents. And so for the last decade, that's really been kind of my life's work, has been working with parents on restoration that happens in the hearts and in the home. Because the most revolutionary act that we can do really is raise children. And raise children that know they are loved. Raise children who know who their creator is. Because I don't know about you, but parenting's not very easy, right? It's kind of tough, isn't it? And so I need all the help that I can get. So if parenting's difficult just by itself, I need God's help, right? I need the blueprint of a parent. I need the blueprint of a father, the blueprint of our heavenly father. And so a lot of the message today, and I don't, let me check the time because I like to talk a lot. A lot of the message today is centered around not only the restoration of the blueprint of our Heavenly Father, right? But also the transformation that has to happen in our hearts in order to impact our families. Are you with me so far? Yes? Okay, good. 
So I believe in vulnerability, transparency. I think that healing happens in community. And so I kind of wanted to share with you guys why I started this work and the process that led me to teaching and preaching families with the development of new mindsets. So I grew up in incredibly poor, dysfunctional family, like most of us, right? Um, and I grew up in Opalaka, Florida. Does anybody know where that is? You do? Okay, good. Okay. So I grew up, when I was born, my parents were never married. And I was, my, my mother, I was actually, my mother was my father's mistress, right? So I came into the world and my mom didn't have a place for us to live. She already had two other children. And so we were homeless for a while. We lived from house to house. At one point, we lived on top of a liquor store. And my earliest memory is of me being so hungry that I had an ache in my belly. And I remember one of the neighborhood kids grabbed the little tiny piece of candy I had in my hand and flushed it down the toilet. This is the stuff that stays with us, right? The early years of our lives are the most formative. And so a lot of our life metaphors, a lot of our really early memories start there. So anyways, I was poor. We ended up being able to stay with family in these military barracks that were converted into government housing. And there were so many things surrounding my life that many people would look at as, and would define me, right? There were conditions that I was defined by. I was poor. Maybe to certain people, I was a minority. I, you know, was born to unwed parents, right? Uneducated parents. My mother struggled with mental health issues. So I had all of these things outside my world that were conditions that I was in. But I also knew, and I had this mentor, and Abdi's gonna like this one, because it's the Holy Spirit. But I also knew, and I'm tying it in, I was awoken one night, and I heard this loud voice. And I, it was the only time I ever heard anything audibly, you know, from God, but it was the Holy Spirit, and I was told that from this day forward, I don't have to be defined by my condition. I don't have to be defined as being poor or part of a minority group or, you know, with a um, mentally ill mother or homeless or whatever it is, that I could go forward being defined instead by my position. Who did I belong to, right? I'm a daughter of God. And that can define my life going forward. And that stuck with me through everything. That stuck with me when, you know, I was told that I wouldn't be able to afford the University of Miami and I got a scholarship once and then I got a scholarship again for graduate school. Um, I was told so many things. I was told I would be a statistic, right? And that, through the Lord's help, I was able to defy all of that. And that's who the Holy Spirit is. And 
There's a scripture that I just love that I wanted to. Is it up there? No. Okay, just kidding. Okay, John 14, 26. Now, I don't know about, I'm a little bit of like a wordsmith. Like I love reading the Bible, but, I, but the New Testament was written in Greek. And so I really enjoy like going to the Greek and kind of seeing like, because sometimes the English language just doesn't do it, right? It doesn't convey the full message. It doesn't convey the full passion. So John 14, 26 says, but the helper. And in the Amplified, in the Greek, it's comforter, advocate, intercessor, counselor, strengthener, Stand by the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, in my place to represent me and act on my behalf. He will teach you all things, and he will help you remember everything that I have told you. I remember when I first started, I'm a community psychologist, and when I first started working with families, I was really young, right? It was funny because I was a parenting educator, but I was 24 and I didn't have any kids. So I came on and, you know, people were like looking at me and, you know, maybe sizing me up a little bit. And that's totally okay. I'm really comfortable with that because God really is the one that does the work on the hearts, right? So I don't have to worry about that. I can step outside of anybody else's judgment. But I remember people saying to me, like, you're so young. How do you know this? Like, where do you get this wisdom from? You must have just graduated college. And you know what my secret was? The Holy Spirit. Scripture calls him a counselor. And I've walked with him for most of my life. So even before I was in graduate school to learn about psychology, my heart was being nurtured and developed by the Holy Spirit. And not only did I walk with him, I listened to him. And I allowed him to challenge my mindsets, to develop a new way of thinking, right? Because Romans 12.2 says it best. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I can't emphasize how much that our mindsets really matter, right? Our mindsets matter because our thoughts determine our behavior, right? And our behavior determines our actions, and our actions, in many ways, determines the type of life that we'll lead. And I want to be clear about something. You, and I mean, I'm going to say it once, and then I'm going to say it twice, because I really want you to get this point home. But you are not your thoughts. You are not your feelings, but you do own them. And it's important that you have this awareness. It's important that you know that even though these things don't define you, 
you own them. And there's a distinct, there's a difference in that awareness because it means the difference between being powerful and powerless. And I want us all to feel empowered because again, the, the change that we wish to see in our community, the change we wish to see in our homes with our families really does start with the change that we must make in our own heart. But we need the Holy Spirit for that, right? We need the architect of our souls to enable us, to help us. And really it starts with the mind. It really starts with the mindsets because we're told do not conform to the thinking of this world. You have to transform by the renewing of your mind. And I want to talk to you today about how to do that. Because it's not an easy process. Change is evolutionary. It's not revolutionary. But if we have this awareness, if we walk with the Holy Spirit, if we allow him to guide us in all truth, we can make these positive changes in our families. And I don't know about you, but I know that God is in the business of redeeming and restoring lives. I know for some of you today, Father's Day might not be the happiest holiday. It might conjure deep emotional wounds from your own childhood. Or maybe you're sitting here and you feel guilty because you are not yet the type of father that you want to be. And I'm here to tell you that we can, through God's help, you can change that. You can, you know, we say in, in family counseling, we're either um, repeating unhealthy family patterns or we are repairing them. And the truth of the matter is that you can repair them. If you are aware of, your, of yourself repeating them, they can be repaired with God's help. And it's incredible, right? Because that's what God wants for you. So I want to go through some of the mindsets that will help us to repair and restore and redeem our heart, right? So the first one is, what do you believe about God? What do you believe? Is he a redeemer? Is he powerful? Is he good? Is God good to you? Because again, you're out of, out of everything that you believe in your mind, your actions follow. So if God's not good, are you, or will you receive goodness in your life? Right? What do you be believe about God? Now, it's funny because when I was, um, I went to the Berean Institute, which was a Bible college out of um, the local church. Assemblies of God Church that I used to go to. And I remember when we were studying scripture, I fell in love with the minor prophets. Does anybody know a book in the minor prophets? Can you, do you know an author in the minor prophets? Zephaniah is probably my favorite book in the Old Testament. And I love, there's one particular scripture that I really love. I'm going to read it 
in like the way I wrote it here because I kind of paraphrase it. But the point I love is God rejoices over you. He sings over you with gladness. Are those part of your thoughts? Do you walk around thinking and meditating about God rejoicing over you? God singing over you with gladness? That matters because those thoughts are the blueprint for how you choose to engage with God and how you choose to engage with your families, right? Because if you walk around thinking God's not good to you, most likely you're not going to feel good enough for others. And you're not going to maybe perhaps be good to your own family. So the first and most important thing is having that awareness is who is God to me and is he good to me? And I'm just going to read some of the other scriptures because I love meditating on the words of God, right? They're like food for my soul. So Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is good, right? He's not mediocre. He's not bad. He's good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 107, 1. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Psalm 145, 9. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. The Lord bestows favor and honor. No good thing. I'm going to say it again because sometimes we have to hear things one or twice or three or four or five times to really let it seek into our, seep into our souls. No good thing does he withhold from those whose walk is blameless. That's Psalm 8411. God is good. He really is. And if, and if, you're, having, if you're having doubts with that, with that thought, that's going to alter your life, right? So meditate on the goodness of God because it's beautiful. And the more whatever you pour into you comes out of you. And especially if you're a father or a mother, it comes out into your household. The goodness that you believe about God inside of you pours out into your children. It's not just going to come from somewhere. It has to come from you. And in order for it to come from you, you have to allow God to put it inside of you. You know, a lot of times I work with people and they struggle with self-love. It's really hard for them. And I tell them, do you know how to love yourself? By first allowing God to love you. If you can't allow God to love you, you'll never love yourself. And if you can't love yourself, you'll never be able to effectively love your children and your families. And your children and your families are the ones that are going to change this world for the good. So it has to start with 
what do I believe about God? Is he good? Does he love me? And how do I allow him to display his goodness over me? How do I allow him to love me so that it, it just comes out of me and pours into my children, into my partner, into my spouse, my wife, my husband? So that's number one. The second mindset that's really important is what do you believe about yourself? What do you think about yourself? What is your role to play? Are you a victim or are you victorious, right? Are you powerless or are you powerful? Those things matter. Because scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 3, 9, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field. You are God's building, right? You have a role to play in this. The Holy Spirit is at work. God is constantly at work. And there's always an invitation for you to join him. We've heard it a million times, but faith without works is dead, right? There's a role that we have to play. And if we're not aware of our own role, we're not going to see transformation in our lives, right? There comes a point where you pray, and then you get up while praying, and you start to do the work. Because that's when transformation happens. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Are you a co-worker of Christ? Are you an ambassador? That matters. Again, that role you have to play matters because our children are watching honestly. And there comes a point, do you remember when your kids are like really young and you're like, don't do this. And then they listen to you. But then there comes a point where they don't just listen to what you say, but they start to do what you do. It's kind of like that, right? You have to be able to model, to shift, to make a change in order for your children to believe the things that you say about God, right? If you say that God is good, but you don't accept or receive his goodness, what are your children going to believe? So there is a role for you to play. Because, and, and if you don't have awareness of that, if, you, if you're not able to manage that, then it ends up managing you. Because what you believe will manifest in your life, right? Does this make sense? It makes sense to you guys, right? Yes? Okay, good. The third mindset um, that I want to talk about today is what do you believe about the end of the story? Scripture tells us in Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose, right? So what's the ending like for you? 
God works all things for the good. If you're struggling with personal transformation in your life, you have to know that even in the middle of your despair, even when you feel like you can't go on, the story is still being written. You can, there's one chapter in your life and it could feel really, really crummy, but if you just turn the page, if you just go to the next chapter, I promise you that there is goodness for you. We know the end, and the end is really good. There's a resiliency that we can have when we're going through difficulty in our lives because we can know this might be bending me, but I cannot be broken. Because we know the author and the finisher of our faith, right? We know that the end is a good one for us. And we have to hold on to that. So we have to, one, if we go back to the mindsets. If we want personal transformation in our families and in our hearts, one, we have to believe that God is good. We have to challenge and ask ourselves consistently, what do we believe about God, right? Two, we have to know what is our role to play, right? We are co-creating. We are walking with the Lord. We are co-ambassadors. We are co-workers. Faith, our faith, without action, without our works is dead. So we have to believe that we are powerful because if we just sit there and say, God is good, God is good, God is good, and I'm just going to sit around and wait, nothing's going to happen. You have to partner with that belief, right? Because your beliefs determine your actions, your behavior. And often, the great thing about our beliefs determining our behavior is that if we do the behavior consistently enough, it becomes a habit, people. It's great, right? It becomes a habit in our lives. It becomes something that's second nature, right? Because whatever we practice, we master. And I know for many of us, we've spent most of our lives practicing being a victim, and so we've mastered victimization, and we even bring it inside of our faith. We sit here, and we sing these songs about God, and we say these wonderful prayers, but we're out of alignment. We're not in congruence with what we say because we've mastered being victims our whole lives. And the amazing thing about all of this is that, again, God redeems. He restores. And all it takes is one moment, one chance encounter with him to restore your heart and to restore your lives, right? And then you walk it out. So your part matters. You have a role to play. God didn't create us to be robots, right? We weren't just made to just be obedient and just sit there all day. We were made to experience life, to walk in his favor and his goodness. But you've got to walk. 
You've got to do something. You have a role to play, and it's important. And the more that you math, the more that you practice being a co-worker with Christ, the more that you practice your awareness of his goodness and of who you are as his ambassador, then the good news is that you will master that. Because whatever we practice, we master. And even if you've practiced victimization because you were a victim most of your life, you can practice something new. As long as you're alive, you're able to change. I see it all the time in my work. God is a miraculous God, right? Um, and the third mindset, right? Who is God? He's good. What is my role to play? How am I playing it? What do I believe about that role? And three, what do I believe about the end of the story? How is that going to empower me to go forward? I know the end is good because God is good and it's already been written, right? So no matter what the chapter of your life looks like now, I can tell you that there's still a book and there's many pages and many chapters to come. Now, the most important thing of all of this, obviously, is if we believe in the good ending, right? If we believe that there's still goodness to come, you have to know the author of that book, right? If you believe that somebody is writing the story of your life and that there are these promises for you, but you don't know who's writing the book, you fall short in many ways. We were made by God, right? It's kind of like, I just had a house built recently, so my, house, my mind is like all on that. But one of the benefits for me of having my house being built and not purchasing it from anybody else is that I know the blueprint of it, right? I know the architect. I saw it come together. And so I literally walk out, I walked throughout that entire house and I saw it from its very foundation. So I know it honestly like the back of my hand. And that's what your life is like. You have this beautiful life, but you have to know the architect of your soul. You have to know, in order to know you, you have to know him. You can't know a house if you don't understand its foundation, if you've never seen the blueprints of it. And you yourself are a house. God created you. He molded you. And you will never truly know who you are or the type of parent that you need to be or the type of partner or citizen or believer that you have to be unless you know who made you. And so that's really my challenge for all of you today is that you ask yourself these questions, that you ponder on them, right? Do I know who made me? 
Am I following a blueprint from my life? Not written by a faulty society or perhaps, for some of us, broken or damaged parents. But am I following the blueprint of my life written by my Father in heaven, my good Father? Do I believe in his goodness? Do I understand my role to play? And um, do I believe in the happy ending for me?